Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week, we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week, we watched The Mortal Instruments, City of Bones, directed by Harold Spart, uh, based on a novel by Cassandra Clare. Did you just laugh at Spart? Because it sounds like Spart. <laughs> it sounded Fart. like Harold Spart. Um, so the director's name is Harold Spart, or Harold Spart. Oh, I can't. I don't know how else to say it. It's Z-W-A-R-T. <laughs> She just wants to get into the bit where we make fun of <laughs> this. Anyway, so it's based on a book by Cassandra Clare. The movie came out in 2013 and is in cinemas now. The plot is fairly simple. It's a basic supernatural thing. When her mother disappears, Clary Frey – gosh, that's a silly name. Anyway, Clary Frey – it's a hot – the pronunciation changes depending on what country you're in, honestly. Anyway, so – Mortal Instruments, City of Bones, this girl who thinks she lives a normal life in New York with her mother, discovering she has powers and getting involved in the world of shadow hunters. I just feel like reading out my my you, um, you do that. plot. Yeah, uh, go for it. Plot. What's it called? Summary. Summary. Thank you. My brain's not working. Okay, my plot summary for this movie was, a young woman is drawn into a supernatural world where she realizes she has a special destiny that has the potential to change the battle between good and evil. Oh, okay, write that. <laughs> That's what I wrote. And then I read it. And then I was like, because this is what I do when I write my reviews is just write a little short thing before yeah. it. And then I wrote that and I was like, that is the most derivative thing that I could have thought of. But it's a perfectly accurate summary of the plot. Uh, right down to the bit where it's derivative. Yeah, exa well, that's exactly the point of this movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so Clary falls in love with perfect blonde Draco broody I don't Jace. know what his name is Jace. Jace thank you dreamy broody Jace and um she has a best friend whose name is Simon who is played by the rather lovely Robert Sheehan who is Irish playing American in this movie which is a recurring theme in this movie of people American people playing British people and British people playing American people and I don't understand why he's in love with her which apparently every single person in her life can see including Jace, who she has only just met and she has no idea about, Yeah, of course, because she's the most clueless mm -hmm. heroine I've seen in ages. Uh, so he takes her to his shadow hunter friends with, you know, the tough chick and the gay guy and the morally dubious leader, um, their morally dubious Dumbledore, and <laughs> who is played by um, Jared Harris, who is always so a bad guy. So you know he's going to be bad. He's always a bad guy. How did she not see it coming? Uh, and then they go off and fight things just for convenience, it seems like sometimes. Like, oh, vampires took Robert che Simon. Oh, no, we have to go save him so we can fight some vampires. And the werewolves are good guys, so they'll come help us. And the big plot of all is, of course, she has to save her mother, who's disappeared at the beginning of the yeah. movie. Yeah. Conveniently. That her pseudo-uncle guy, who, her mother's best friend, mm -hmm. who is um, Aidan Turner, the eye candy for the mothers who have to drag their daughters along to this movie. No, no, oh, no the, the other way around. Sorry, the other way mothers around. The who mothers would... who are dragged to the movie by the daughters. Yeah. So anyway, let's perhaps start by talking a little bit about this. So The Mortal Instruments is a series of books written by a person called Cassandra Clare. And Katie and I have a bit of a history with Cassandra Clare. We don't know her, but we kn we knew her back when she was a fan fiction writer and back when this piece of work was a bit of um, Draco Malfoy fan fiction. Okay, so what I actually understand of it is that it's more like she took um, – I, I read a review of it that said it was like a fanfic of her fanfic. Mm. She sort of took that and then wrote 
another series that was kind of like that, but with original, and I use air quotes around original because they're the least original characters I've ever seen, original characters and storylines instead of the uh, <laughs> fandom ones, which didn't work. Cassandra Clare is a fan fiction writer. That's what she sort of made her name as, and she managed to get this young adult series, The Mortal Instruments, up. And I think where we're going with this is that it is very, very derivative. It is so, so, uh, so cliched, so unoriginal, so familiar. Everything about this movie just screams derivative. Um, it's just a whole bunch of different ideas as well, all sort of put together in one place mm -hmm. without really having any kind of central idea of what she's going for. Mm. Like, it's the supernatural stuff and the Twilight love stuff and the Harry Potter wizardy stuff with that magical Hogwarts, I mean, the Institute in the middle of New York, which is a Hogwarts like castle essentially yeah and it is in so very thin, -like. thinly disguised we go into a room that is meant to be a dormitory that is essentially the hogwarts infirmary like you could have just uh, uh, maybe they even borrowed the sets i don't know and well, then they didn't yeah they yeah didn't and then we walk there. into another place called the library which is um basically dumbledore's office yeah it's kind of a cross between dumbledore's office and the library from the movies there's also the there's a shot of the door closing behind them that is exactly like a mm. shot of the door in Prisoner of Azkaban when they do up mm. all the bolts on the door. And as soon as they close the door behind them in this movie, all the bolts do up. Yeah. It's exactly like so, that. Now the, yeah, and it's not just Harry Potter. Like Harry Potter is the thing this is known for borrowing from because it did start life as a Harry Potter fan fiction. It borrows from heavily, I think, from Star Wars. There is a very Star Wars-inspired plot. Very yeah, Star Wars-inspired. See, I inspired. didn't think of that when I saw that part. I thought of fan fiction, like the the sort of – nastier side of it but that's what i thought of uh in that particular the the sort of pseudo incest plot line which by the way they give away they give away this major twist like it's the most important twist in the movie and they tell you it what's going to happen before it happens mm, yeah he the guy says why don't you lie to them and tell them you, that they're both your your children mm. Before he tells them that, it completely, there's there's no tension there. Mm. There's nothing. And you're sort of like, well, why did you tell us that? At least if you hadn't told us, we might be slightly invested. But now we're not invested at all. Yeah. And when we already knew that she was his child because his flashback shot. Yeah. And she's pregnant, like visibly pregnant. Yeah, there's a sort of a. So that gives it away fairly early on. Yeah. And then, of course, yeah, when they're plotting later. Very obvious that, mm. that he so was So to me, that was, a, that was a. Yeah, I figured that was just borrowed from Star Wars. But, of course, I guess there is that fan fiction fondness of incest in there that they might have been going for. Who knows? So wiki. Uh, the other thing that I saw most in this was Twilight. Uh, yes. There's a lot of Twilight influence. And there's, I mean, people are calling it the next Twilight uh, with the love triangle. I don't know how much of a love triangle there is, though, because Simon is in love with Clary, but Clary is very, very clearly not in love with him. No. Uh, he's he's just, she calls him like her brother and he's her friend, and I don't think that's going anywhere. In fact, I can tell you exactly where all of the romantic plots are going from watching this movie. I can tell you exactly who's going to get together. Just from watching this first movie, I can tell you probably for the rest of the series. Mm. You've got the gay guy and that one guy who called the gay guy pretty. You've got Isabel, who's the kick-ass, awesome shadow pretty, hunter who's girl. Who's the best character in the whole thing. And Simon, who's the other best character in the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And you've got Clary and Jace once they figure out, oh, wait, we're, we're not, not actually brother and sister, which is creepy. Anyway, 
I, I think there is also an over Doctor Who reference. He carries a sonic screwdriver. There's a character called Bane because, you know, why not add Batman to all the other references you've already made? We've got a Sleeping Beauty reference at the end. There is an evil person with flying monkeys, except they're bats. So there, there's your Wizard of Oz reference. There is a Ghostbusters reference. Yeah, but the Ghostbusters reference is a reference. As opposed to a... Uh, <laughs> As opposed derivative. to derivative, yes, exactly. Uh, the Bane thing as well is there's a Bane in Harry Potter too. Uh, one of the centaurs is called oh, Bane. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. There's also there's um a, sort of the TV show Supernatural, which has us as a main oh, plotline angels and demons and things. Yeah, Buffy, that sort of stuff. It it is just, but there's it doesn't know what it's doing with all the elements. No, they're just sort of and jumbled steal, in together. Stealing from other people is when done well is actually kind of cool. Quentin Tarantino has made a whole career out of stealing cool bits from other people's movies, but he takes them and he synthesizes them into something cooler. And that's what you do. This doesn't take them and synthesize them into anything. It's not good. I mean, there's there's a whole lot of other stuff that I've sort of thought about it. Uh, it. It feels like it's completely sprung from the mind of an adolescent, like a teenage girl who's like, ooh, look, this is so cool. I've got black leather and tattoos and I'm so edgy and I go to beat poetry readings. <laughs> oh, yeah. Beat poetry readings. And, you know, Simon's got his hipster glasses on and that sort of it, – it feels like it's trying really hard to be edgy and cool, and but it's still kind of clinging to childish things. It hasn't sort of – like, it, it's still sort of not – properly put together it's still a fairly childish plot and so it it kind of feels like it feels like a teenager so does that mean it's going to appeal to teenagers i don't it seems like it is appealing to teenagers maybe not based on the numbers but based on the ratings from the audience Mm. from what i've seen and based on what i've seen on tumblr too which is bizarre because it's so bad i mean it's so terrible like it's it's and twilight is also really terrible and you know more offensive than this in a lot of ways yes i feel like this is actually fairly inoffensive apart from the incest storyline which is not a real incest storyline anyway yeah and even that's better sort of main issues with twilight which tend to be more surrounding abusive relationships and things like that yeah and we don't have that in here which is good i guess there is the weird thing though that that like she gets drawn into this world because she first witnesses a murder like jace kills a demon but he's in a human Mm. form so she basically witnesses a murder so what does she do she goes home she does nothing yeah, no, no kind of trying to report it to anybody. And then or... she seems to be completely over it by the next well, day. Well, because she witnesses a murder that nobody else can see, so there is that to it, I guess. That's... But nobody else was looking either. Mm, perhaps. It's so strange. Yeah. And there's other strange, stupid, stupid things that she does. Like there's a scene where there's there, there's a girl, woman who's clearly a demon and who is being revealed to be a demon during the scene, and Clary is just completely oblivious to the whole thing oh. and pulling out the major plot point. Like, yeah, you're just well, she's looking also at her like, why are you this her, dumb? Um, her stepfather is being held and tortured for information, and he he's he's not her stepfather or whatever her mother's boyfriend. He's being. I held... don't think he's that either. Whatevs. <laughs> He's being held and tortured for information about her and her family, and he says something along the lines of, "I, I didn't, I didn't really like them at all. I was just hanging around to get information out of them." <laughs> and he's he's being tortured by bad guys, and she's so stupid, she doesn't realize that maybe you know people under torture might lie. She's like, "Oh, he 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 never really liked us." But, <laughs> Like she just takes everything. I know on it's face something face. that's not very so, bright. It's so obvious to everybody watching that particular thing where he's like, "Oh yeah, no, I never really liked them." To the bad guys who are like, 
to, uh, trying to get information out of him. He was like, oh, they never tell me anything. I don't really like them anyway. I was just getting close to them to get to the magical fabled cup, the holy grail goblet. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and this is it. And, and he's like, no, no. And he's obviously trying to protect them. He's obviously trying yeah. to lie to protect them. It's very, very obvious to everybody who isn't her. Who is she? She is that like, stupid. And it's right after she says a line about how he's family. And then she does it for the whole movie until she sees him again. By the way, he's played by Aiden Turner and he's gorgeous. Katie was very much in love with him all the way along. He's gorgeous in this movie. He's the only one of the only thing he and he and Robert Sheehan were the only things sort of carrying me through this. Yeah, Jonathan Rhys Meyers got me through in the end. Oh, also, and Isabella, Isabella, Isabel, yeah. The, so there is a secondary uh, character called Isabel who would have made a way better lead. She's so much smarter, more resourceful. She fights. She knows what's going on. She's a strategic thinker. She takes less crap. She's. So much better than I keep wanting to call her Bella, but that's not her name. Her name is Clary. <laughs> she might as well be Bella. I yeah, mean, she's she got that she's whole look. Pathetic. I'm clumsy, and therefore I'm relatable thing, and the same sort of vacant expression on her face. Exactly. So yeah, you might as well call her Bella. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so the movie itself, though, uh, we've spent a bit of time tearing just the whole premise apart, but the things like the dialogue are not very good. Like, there's, it's really, really cliched. There were points when we were laughing. Yeah, because it was so at stupid. the dialogue. But it's 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 really cliche. There are attempts at banter that are just so clumsy. You just pray for them to be over soon, mm -hmm. or look for an exit. There are, in addition to the terrible dialogue, there are these shots of uh, where Jace and Clary just talk with their faces really close together and the music is like, feel their tragic pain. Oh, the music. That was going to be another thing I was going to complain about. In a couple of points, there are there are these really loud and offensive kind of like soft rock pop songs that come over <laughs> these really high emotion moments. And they've clearly been written because there's obviously a soundtrack to sell and they're trying to appeal to the teenage girls and some kind of power ballad will will do that and they just get in the way and they're icky and we've already got a whole bunch of cliched shots for instance our two um main lovers i guess finally get together in this scene they're in like a greenhouse at midnight and they finally kiss and what happens oh yeah the sprinklers come on <laughs> it's just like oh really that That's whole scene was so so uncomfortable anyway and there's no chemistry there mm. there's none it's just so dead that that's why the soundtrack was working overtime to oh, make yeah, you go too. to make you go oh yes i feel for them cuz you feel nothing and they aren't bad actors no. i don't think it's not well, i mean apart from the uh godfrey gal yeah. who plays who plays the M magnus bane the magician yeah, who was very wooden yeah. and a couple of other sort of wooden actors all of the most of the cast are great. They're just putting yeah. in sort of weak performances because it's just kind of a weak movie. There's not much to go on. The younger actors are all pretty good, and there's a whole sort of array of quite respected British actors. You've got Lena Headey, you've got Jonathan Rhys Myers, Jared Harris, um, at CCH Pound, who's not British but he's a respected actor. These and she's actually American, playing American. It's a miracle. Uh, yeah. <laughs> For some reason that we don't understand, there are a lot of British people in this movie. They all, all the British demon hunters moved to New York. I, I don't know. That's another thing. There's a graveyard and, and all the shadow hunters are buried in this graveyard yeah, in well, New York, but they're all English. Yeah. Except Clary, whose parents are English. So clearly they come from England 
all of these shadows hunters, and they're not a they worldwide phenomenon. New York because New York has a portal. It's got a hell mouth. It's yes, built on a it hell does, mouth. It does have a portal. However, I don't understand why all of the shadow hunters are white British people. I don't I really understand how the shadow hunters thing works, mm. but they're all white British people in spite of the fact that they're descended from angels. So I suppose all the angels went to England opened a portal right. to New York so that the shadow hunters could be born in England and then go to New York. Yeah, I guess they... As soon as they're born, but then they still have English accents. So oh, how does that work? Stop with your earth logic. You're asking too many <laughs> questions. I figured that, like, when when they shut down the Concord service... And then, but then the other really, really weird thing is that they get Lily Collins and Robert Sheehan yes. are both... Well, Robert Sheehan's Irish, Lily Collins is English. They're both playing Americans and mm-hmm. our lead Americans at that. Yes. And then you've got Kevin Durand, who's Canadian, playing an Englishman with a quite a good accent, I thought. Kevin Zegers, who plays the gay guy, he's also American, playing English. So they have Americans playing English people and English people playing Americans. I suppose they were casting them based on how good their auditions were or something. I just don't understand why. And I don't understand why there's no, so much it, England in this. Yeah, movie. it was shot in Canada. It's set in New York. I don't know. Maybe maybe if you're part of the magic world, you just you get a British accent when you <laughs> – that's one of the things you get along with powers. You get part a British accent. Part of the accent. initiation. Yeah. But, and that's the other thing uh, – Maybe Robert Sheehan is going to get his Irish accent back when he becomes a vampire in the next, oh, what right. I assume was going to happen, because he gets bitten by, by a vampire oh, yeah, in this we, movie. She sees it. We draw Nobody attention else. to, and then nothing ever happens, comes yeah. from it. Because Clary, of course, goes, oh, look, he was bitten by a vampire, and then ignores it, as she does. Yes. But aren't the, um, isn't it werewolves who are Irish? The werewolves are, oh, yeah, well, Aidan Turner is. Mm. Oh, so confusing. <laughs> Oh dear! All the all the werewolves are Irish. Does that mean we didn't really hear much for the vampires? Maybe they're all Scottish. Who knows? Oh, who knows? <laughs> would, Why not? It, it, it only seems logical in this particular world that they've created yeah. here in this. But but no zombies. Movie. Zombies don't exist. And the other thing was this: the scene where um, Isabel dresses up Clary yes. in the typical makeover moment, where Clary goes from just being a mundane. That's what they call what are the muggles, the humans in this movie. The they mundanes. Call them mundanes, which is terrible. When when she gives her the makeover and puts her in the short skirt and everything, and then she goes, oh, you can't walk, walk in there looking like your normal mundane self. And I was sort of like, so all of these guys share a penchant for black short dresses? Leather, like, spike heels. Le- Why yeah. not? The, the, apparently all of the magical world shares a common fashion sense. Look, I think you and I both know, Katie, that um, if you're into the underworld, you need to wear black leather, <laughs> short skirts, high-heeled boots, like the, and and tattoos. Although nobody has tattoos in this, they all have runes that do oh, yes. magic. I forgot about the runes. I forgot about a lot of things because it's sort of hard to keep track of all the finicky little details in this overarching, very straightforward, easy yeah. plot. Which actually, you said to me after the movie, we think they might have actually done a good adaptation of the novel. Because there is so much shoved in there. like I mean, if you were a fan of the novel, I suspect you'd be really happy because you see all these little Easter eggs or whatever left in there for you. But in terms of making the movie flow, they lead to, a firstly, a 130-minute runtime. I looked mm. at my watch half a dozen times waiting for this thing to be over. I had to go to the bathroom in the middle of it. I never have to go to the bathroom in the middle of movies. Yeah, that's it's really, really long. So... Perhaps it, it was to appease the fans of the novel by shoving all this detail in there. Sadly, it hurts the movie because it means that we've just 
plots lines going all over the place there's little clues here and clues there and more MacGuffins than you can shake a stick at which may not be MacGuffins in the next movie but they are in this one well the wonderful thing I thought about the Lord of the Rings adaptations which I think are some of the greatest adaptations that have ever existed is there's um there's this very popular fan character or fan popular character um who's called what's his Tom Bombadil yes Tom Bombadil was popular a popular character from the books they cut him from the movies because basically his storyline made the characters sort of come out of their main storyline and then just drop back into it. There wasn't really any reason for him to be there. No. So when you're looking at adapting a book for a movie, you need to think about these things. Yes, we know Tom Bombadil is a favorite and he's a great character, but we don't really need him in this story. This movie didn't do that. It was sort of like, oh, we really love this character. So let's just shove him in there, even though he makes no sense and has no place here. Mm. Plus, there's this there's this sense that the movie is just alternating between action scenes and exposition scenes, with the occasional sort of romantic scene in there. That's all there is. It's like, action, 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 exposition, 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 action, action, action. And I was sort of like, I don't, I don't want any more exposition. I get it. I understand what's going on. Stop talking down well, to me. There was too, yeah, it was too much exposition. Every plot twist. I don't even know if I can call them twists because they are all telegraphed very early on and a few times just in case you're as stupid as Clary and don't get things straight away. <laughs> could have could have done with a a good streamlining. And, I mean, even even as it was, there were just so many characters. There was four or five or six of them just in the main group fighting demons so you can't keep up with them all. And then by two-thirds of the way through when I realised that Isabel was actually a really cool character and I would like to know more about her, well, I, her stuff got shoved by the wayside because she's shoehorned in there along with her brother and this guy and this guy and these people. And oh. Yeah, it was funny because when I was watching the credits, I was like, there's actually not that many people in this movie. I felt like there were tons of people in the movie. But it turns out the cast list was actually fairly small. It was just so unfocused as to where to to focus on, yeah, where you, to you put its to... attention, you know. And it it's, uh, yeah, it's exactly like that where it's just sort of like everybody is all over the place. I mean, my favourite part of the movie was watching Isabel and Simon take down bats with the flamethrower that yeah was awesome. that was pretty awesome the uh never-ending flamethrower but it was great like it was so cool and then uh, then we had to go back to the main plot and i was like oh god clary disappears from the main showdown for like 10 minutes <laughs> i didn't actually notice she goes over to see her mum, and then she pulls out the card that has the cup in it mm. and then all the action happens away from her for about 10 minutes. Then once the big fight is over, we don't even see Isabel and her gay brother. I don't even know. I feel like mentioning that he's her gay brother because it is his only character trait. Yeah. Uh, he is in love with Jace, so he's grumpy, and the gay m wizard calls him pretty. So that's sort of that's like... That's pretty much all he does. Yeah, exactly. He sort of stands around and is pretty oh, and grumpy no, no, and gay. He gets, gets in mortal danger. Oh, that's right. Then you have the save the gay plot line. Yeah. Which is the sort of one of the kickers. The other, the other thing that got me is that nobody in the institute knew for ages that they were being invaded by demons. Did yeah, you no, that? nobody paid any attention to that. It just somehow passed them by. And he, they have, and have this institute <laughs> that's been there for a thousand years and is so set up, just you know, to keep the demons out. But somehow they got invaded. Oh, because he 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 summoned pentagram. them with his pentagram, pentagram. of swords. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he summoned uh, Valentine summoned them into the. But then the the actual portal opened up. What I'm guessing must be above. 
It took me a really long time to figure out the geography of this because you see the swords and then they go take a shot from above it and then you suddenly see this portal in a completely different place. Oh, I just didn't really. There were so many things that I was just sitting because I couldn't figure out what was happening. Oh, okay. I, was I had going, no problem does, with that. Surely Clary knows. She must have seen the thing and she knew that the place was getting invaded by demons because she saw her dad yeah, summoning Yeah, but you know them. she doesn't tell anybody anything. But I don't think that actually happens. I don't think she does mm. see... Anyway, look, that's just <laughs> far so too off track. But so you I, say that, but this is why it was so yeah. ridiculous is because it's so confusing and yet it's so simple and kind of not simple in a good way, simple in kind of a dumb way so that they dress it up with all this confusing stuff. Yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't have trouble working out the geography, but I, w I was quite enjoying the action scenes. Like the action scenes are actually pretty well done. Of if we're, if we're picking out, you know, the one or two things in this movie that are okay, <laughs> it keeps going. Yeah. It keeps going at pace and there's always something to keep you interested <laughs> in going on. It, I guess it's made for teenagers. And the action scenes are actually quite well done. There's a really cool um, sword fighting scene at the end between Darth and Luke. No, that's not their names. <laughs> Valentine and Jace have a great sword fighting scene at the end, which is done really well. The, ac mm. the action is generally, when it's happening, is good. And there's a couple of little spots where they do some kind of a cute little suspense moment where, you know, there's a, something jumps out from somewhere, and that's kind of kind of cute the way they do that. Yeah. Uh, so it, it actually kind of, yeah, it looks good, and they got a decent fight choreographer. If, if, if I'm, you know, scratching around for things to like about this good. movie. I thought a lot of the effects were bad. Lot, yeah. Some of the werewolf effects were really terrible. That, I thought that some of the effects were, like, passable, they were okay, but a lot oh, of so the, the effects creatures. were laughable. Oh, the creatures, they were a bit, yeah. They were. They I'd were just not very them. good. Yeah, I think we for me. We keep saying that, that, oh, I forgot that, I forgot that. There's <laughs> so much going on in this movie, we can't remember all the stupid bits that happen. I think for me the the fundamental problem with, with it was its fan fiction roots. I think a lot of these problems that we are having come from that because it's not its own story. It is a bunch of other stories all cobbled together without really knowing what it is. Yes. And that causes us to not know who the characters are or why they're there or it's just sort or of her going, I want a gay guy, let's put a gay guy in there. And then I want a tough chick, let's put a tough chick in and there. And you sort of forget that the characters are from, you know, what they're from. You're like, oh, yeah, that's right, that's Buffy, that's Bella, that's Draco. <laughs> That's yeah. hot Voldemort, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I don't know if he's Voldemort so much. I'm trying to. He, he's, he's more, more like, like Darth um, Vader. He's yeah. more hot Darth Vader. Hot really. Darth Vader, really. I don't know. Jonathan Rhys Meyers and his leather pants is the only reason I got to the end. I think very tight leather he was wearing. Very tight leather and tattoos and all that sort of thing. That's mm. the thing is that it's sort of like highly appealing. To that sort of sexual side of teenagers I suppose and all the death things and like oh we're so gothic <laughs> just so goth with all the skeletons and stuff everywhere uh that well, I think it that was also called applied to City them. of Bones other... even though why was it called City of Bones when we visit the City of Bones precisely because once. they're all called City of something oh. all the books are called City of something well yeah we go to the City of Bones it has like a three minute plot significance yeah to the whole thing yeah, I don't know. It just that's just how it is. Um, the other thing was that Clary took such a long time to acclimatize to this world, and she'd grown up mundane. And then her actually mundane friend got it in minutes. Yeah, you know, he, as soon as he was let in on the secret, he was great and badass and all, all the time and that sort of thing. And then he finally got up the courage to tell her he loved her, and that was miserable and all of that stuff. But he sort of. He had more of an interesting arc than she did, almost. She doesn't really seem to have much of an arc. She's just kind of she, wish fulfillment. Well, she just, yeah, well, she is 
basically a Mary Sue. But she starts out the movie not knowing stuff, and she ends the movie knowing stuff. Is that is that her character arc? I suppose. I guess that's what it is. She just and then she's she special and chosen. Oh, the chosen one, of course. I'm sure that's going to play out in the next. She few. has a special destiny. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, she's Darth Vader's daughter. Gosh, <laughs> these things happen. She's. Oh wait. Yeah, it's uh, Cara Thrace and her special destiny. It's a Battlestar <laughs> Galactica reference for you. It mm. it is so, and it's it's just stuff you've seen over and over again. But there's there's nothing new brought to it. Yeah, there's nothing exactly. new here. So this is what. I, yeah, and this is the point I think we need to make is that we are not people who hate fan fiction. In fact, we are big supporters of fan fiction. Mm done well but in this particular case this is just a pastiche of a whole lot of other original fiction brought together in the one plot line with a few names changed and a few places changed but basically there's nothing added there's no commentary there's no trying to do something different there's no but it's not even just that the world doesn't feel original the actual world they're inhabiting here doesn't feel original. It doesn't feel new. It doesn't feel like something that I haven't seen or read before. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like the, the actual, the world, because one of the things about Harry Potter that's so great is the world building. Mm-hmm. This is a whole world that's been created around these characters, and the characters exist in that world. This well, is sort of like I want these things and I want those things and let's I want tattoos, so let's make these rune things and I want this and I want that. Like a little kid, you know, pulling it, and a kid in a candy store. I want all of these candies. Let's put them all together and it'll taste good. And it doesn't. That's one of the things you can tell from the sonic screwdriver. The sonic screwdriver just adjusts to do whatever you want it to do in this particular scenario. There's one scene where they want to spy on people through a wall. So the sonic screwdriver makes them be able to see through, through the books that are standing in the way. But it's also able to freeze the portal. Yes. And... I think it kills somebody at one point. Oh, okay. Wow, that's a clever sonic screwdriver. Yeah, this is what I mean. It's just a sort of magic thing that just adjusts to the plot's whims. None of it really works. Yeah. None of it. But to be fair, we did have some fun watching it. Yeah. Well, that, this is what I'm saying. Like, I I didn't really get bored. I mean, I looked at my watch a few times, but I didn't really get bored. Like, it kept on going. I could follow what was going along. There was a, enough action to keep me entertained. There was. Oh, that's not what I was referring to. Plenty of silliness. What? <laughs> I was referring to the unintentional laughs that I got through the whole thing. We were – this the cinema mostly didn't laugh. And there were other po- moments when Clary was doing things and I was sitting there going I, – I was just huffing in frustration with her. She's just – there were sometimes when you're just like, how are you that stupid? Hmm. For anyway, the plot. It's for the plot. It's for the plot. It's all furthering the plot. Anyway, we've seen The Mortal Instruments, City of Bones, so that you don't have to. <laughs> and I think you can probably tell from the tenor of the conversation that our ratings are low, Katie. I gave it one and a half stars out of five. I'm being generous. I'm giving it two. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to Silver Screen Queens. If you want to know anything more about us, you can visit our website, which is silverscreenqueens.com. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, the best way to do that is to either like us on Facebook and say hello there or to follow us on Twitter at screen underscore queens. If you want to read Katie's review of this, you can go to her blog, which is silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. Thank you very much for listening. Bye. Bye-bye.